Um, we're not going to go into 1 Samuel this morning. I'm going to take uh, yet another week off from it. And uh, part of it is because I knew we had a lot going on. And um, I didn't want to rush the passage we're going to be looking at because we're coming to chapter 17, which is David and Goliath. And I want to make sure we don't, I don't feel like I wanted to rush that. And I, so I wanted to share a little shorter word. But I also have had something on my heart. And I thought, well, this might be a good Sunday to share it. Um, if you were at our last prayer meeting, this may sound a little familiar to you. But I've titled this message, Open Windows, Open Doors. And um, a lot of times the Lord uses everyday things to speak truth to our heart. Recently, I was getting ready for the day. I went to open the drapes in our bedroom, which usually Janice or I do every day. And uh, it occurred to me that I probably wouldn't be in that room more than 10, 15 minutes throughout the entire day. And then it would be dark. And so I thought to myself, why am I taking the time to open the drapes to a room that probably we won't spend many minutes in at all through the course of the day? And the answer is, I love daylight. I love the sun coming in. I just love it. We both do. Um, we just like sun coming in. The first home we bought on Long Island uh, was a ranch, and it had all kinds of trees in the front yard, and it completely blocked the sunshine. So when I asked Janice, what do you want for your birthday? She said, I want a chainsaw. She said, not for me to use, for you to use. And she called it the gift of sunshine. So we cut down a lot of those trees. Um, sometimes I see a house that's all draped off day after day, all day long. And um, not, not trying to be, but I just wonder why, why don't they open? Like I'd be, if, if I came to visit them, you know, would you like a cup of coffee? Sure, while they're getting the coffee, I'm opening their drapes. I just, I just wonder why, let some sunshine in. I, I'm a firm believer that sunshine has a beneficial effect on our mood and our mental state and everything. I just, I just love it. So, but this message is not, uh, you know, better homes and gardens. So this isn't, this isn't about that. What struck me in that simple act that morning of pulling back the drapes and letting the sunshine in was that it could be a metaphor for the church. God wants us to have open windows and open doors. God wants life to shine in. He wants life to shine out. And it's possible for churches to become that building with windows drawn and doors closed. Honestly, I think to some degree for many churches, including ours, COVID accelerated that and made it all the more challenging to do anything but maybe even have our own little service and even that difficult. But the idea of little getting in and little going out, little impact beyond the four walls, little impact in the people or in our lives, little impact in the community, that idea where church just becomes where we come, we sing a few songs, we shake a few hands, we listen to a message, we go home to the real world and the two don't intersect and I'm not saying that's our case, but that idea of everything being drawn, you know, I think of the old uh, that tagline reworking a little bit, what's, what happens in church stays in church. That's just not the heart of God for the church. 
God's plan for the church, and by that, we don't mean the building, we mean the people of God, is that the windows are wide open and the doors are wide open. I want you to listen to Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up in a cloud, took him out of their sight. Let's pray. Father, we pray. We pray for a fresh move of opening drapes, opening windows, opening doors that we might impact souls by the power of the gospel. We pray that there would be just a fresh move of your spirit in our midst. And I'm not just talking about our church, but in your church. Through the country, around the world. That, Lord, people might see again the living God in a fresh way and see the Savior you sent in a way that affects hearts, breaks hearts, and brings them to faith in Christ. And we want to be a part of that, Lord. So we ask blessing in this word for it to stir in our hearts and stir our hearts in a fresh ways to be that open window and that open door. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. What Jesus is saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but I think you'll see that this is not, this is not a diversion from what he's saying. He's saying, wait until the windows of heaven are opened as the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, then you are to open the doors and go to the end of the earth with the message of salvation. Open window, power of the Spirit coming, open doors, go to the end of the earth. Now for a short time, Jesus told them to close the windows and the doors. Wait in Jerusalem, and we know that during that time, they spent much of their time in the upper room, a very private room where they would pray. And there was a small group, maybe 120, and they would pray, and they would worship. And I'm sure there was some teaching and remembering of what Jesus taught them. There was fellowship, and I imagine that time must have been so precious. I mean, think about it. They're in this upper room. They know Jesus is resurrected. They know he's a risen Lord. And so now they're gathering together and how sweet as their voices resounded in this small room. It must have been as they sang. Everybody knew everybody. And how comfortable it must have been. How, how wonderful and meaningful the fellowship. And, the, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people thought, I'd love it to stay like this. Small, intimate, 
We're going deeper. I know Peter better than I ever did. James and John. The fellowship was close and intimate, but that's not where God meant it to stay. The day of Pentecost came. Read with me chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There's that upper room. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. The windows of heaven were opened up. The Holy Spirit poured out upon this small group of believers in power. They began to speak in tongues. And we know that those tongues were not an unknown prayer language. They were tongues of other nations. Because what happened is not only did the windows open, but the doors opened, and they were suddenly going to the streets with this powerful move of God. They spilled into the streets. The Acts 2 doesn't say that specifically, but it is, we, we, we understand it to be implied because the crowds are hearing them speak the praises of God in foreign languages. And because it was Pentecost, there were people there from all around the world. Jews were there gathered from all different nations. And so they're hearing the praises of God in their own language and they're wondering what is going on. And then Peter stands up and addresses the crowd. So there's no way that the crowd moved into the upper room. The, the church, the disciples moved out to the streets. The windows opened. The doors opened. The gospel went to the ends of the earth. Open windows in the Bible often represents God's power and love being poured out. Let me read a couple passages. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, speaking of tithing, it says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. The treasuries of heaven, the windows of heaven, blessings coming down, the greatest example of God opening the windows of heaven is his son coming down from heaven to live on earth as a man. Through Jesus, God pouring out every spiritual blessing. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The windows is a metaphor of heaven opening up and God pouring down his love through Jesus Christ. 
And through Jesus Christ, he has literally opened the windows of heaven to pour every other blessing, peace, mercy, forgiveness, grace, hope, purpose, provision, every spiritual blessing, eternal life. But here's the thing, then Jesus commands us to go out the door and share all of that with the lost world. Open doors often represent the gospel going forth to a broken world. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. A wide door for effective work has opened to me. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul writes, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. So Paul, Paul sees this open door of ministry, open door for the gospel. And what we see here. And we see it in the life of Jesus. The times where he would get away, the upper room ministry was time to be refreshed, time to be replenished, but never was it meant to be, that's where I stay. Jesus always went from the upper room to the crowded streets. He was always ministering with, to the lost, to the hurting, to the outcast, to the broken, to the damaged. And the world needs that just as much today, amen? It does. It absolutely does. Here's what's ironic, is that the more outraged this world becomes, the more on fire with anger, division, it becomes. The more hostile people become to anything the Bible teaches, the further from God and belief in God the world moves. What's ironic is the more the world needs Jesus. We, we live in a world that needs the Lord. He came for what we are experiencing today, the outrage, the lack of peace, the, the divisions, the tribalism, all the things that are going on today. Jesus came for exactly that. So people may tell you today, like 50 years ago, maybe people you talk about Jesus and people are like, yeah, 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 that's good. You know, I go to church. But today, don't be surprised if people say, I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't bring that Jesus stuff into the, into the workplace. At a family meeting, don't talk about Jesus. Keep it to yourself. Faith is meant to be a private thing. Close the doors, close the windows. It's fine for you. But Jesus says, go and tell them about me. Don't shove it down their throats, but tell them about me. Open windows, open doors. As I thought about this, windows and doors work both ways. We see out windows, we can see in windows. We walk outdoors, we can walk in to doors. God opens the windows of heaven to bless us, but we also then when we praise and worship like we did this morning, our worship and praise rises through the windows to the Lord as a fragrant offering to him to bless his heart. 
We are to walk out our doors to share the gospel with those we come into contact, but we can also invite and pray people to walk into our doors who don't know the Lord, that they might hear about the love of God who sent a savior. Those who need healing, those who need, need reconciliation with God, those who need peace in their lives can come in and hear as well and see the family of God together. So windows and doors work both ways. One more thought about that. It's also important we not shut ourselves up from other people, including other believers. So in other words, it can't be all just outward ministry. It can't always be flowing outward. We need people to, that we trust to let them know when we need prayer, where we are struggling or hurting, where we're being tempted. It's hard sometimes to let people in but the Bible encourages us to do the exactly that, to love one another, to pray for one another, confess our sins to one another. Open the doors, open the windows. Three quick thoughts about this. Open windows and open doors gives us a model for how we can pray. Every day we should pray that the Lord, first of all, opens the windows of heaven, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power of the spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And then, Lord, open the door and give me an opportunity for ministry. Give me a wide open door for ministry to share, to pray with someone, to tell them about Jesus. It gives us a model for how we should pray. It also, open windows and open doors, gives us a model for how we should believe. See, I, I suspect, and I struggle with this, and God's been dealing with my heart, but I suspect that for a lot of believers, we don't believe we're gonna receive much of anything from the Lord, not because we don't think God is great, because we, our eyes are on ourselves. I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that. I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm just an ordinary believer, I'm barely getting by. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you, if you have trusted in Christ as your savior, you are accepted in the beloved. Like God's acceptance, and it's not like tolerance, it's acceptance. In fact, you've been adopted as a son or as a daughter by a father who loves with an intensity no earthly father in this room could ever even come close to. That's how much he loves you. An everlasting love. So when you come in prayer, and when you believe God for that situation or for your life, don't ask God, can you spare me a crust? Lord, could a, could a crust of bread fall from your table to me? Ask God for a feast. Know that you are his beloved. Ask him to open the treasury and pour out blessings upon your life. And I'm not talking money. I'm talking blessings that are far better than that. Because those blessings are not to hoard, they're to share. Believe that God wants to use you. Okay, can I just encourage you now? Believe that God wants to use you. That's not proud, pride, that's just biblical. That's just aligning yourself with God's will for your life. Believe it, believe it. Third thing is open windows, open doors gives us a model for how we should live. So how we should pray, how we should believe, and how we should live. Our lives are to be a constant channel, receiving from God, giving to others, receiving from God, giving to others, receive, give, receive, give, receive, give. We need both. 
it's possible for a church to kind of become a church with open windows, but closed doors. And when that happens, that church, we're just asking God, bless us, Lord, bless us. We just want to be blessed. Bless me, Lord. God says, I believe, open the doors and there'll be more room for me to bless you. Open the doors. Let some of that blessing out that I'm pouring out upon you so I can give you more. You see, we can't just breathe in. The air in this room is good, but try breathing in for the next 15 minutes and not breathing out. We need to breathe in. We need to breathe out. I think the same principle we need to receive from God, we need to give. It can't just be, give me God, give me God. God says, let some of that out. But on the other hand, a church with open doors, but not expecting anything from the the heavenlies. And I think this is where, you know, some who are, you know, maybe trying to avoid some of the, the extremes of the charismatic or whatever, but they can, they can think that the, that the Christian life no longer carries the supernatural. It's just the good news of the gospel and we share the gospel and we try to become good at apologetics. And if we're able to present the gospel clearly and, and maybe do apologetics so we can maybe dismantle their false belief system, that's all, that, that's all it takes and then God will win them to Christ and, and bring them to salvation. And again, that's, that's not biblical. There is nobody other than Jesus who is better at articulating his faith. No one who is better at apologetics. No one who is more theologically informed than the Apostle Paul. But listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. Verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. There goes that articulation and eloquence out the door. And my speech, verse four, my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. That's Paul. And if he needed the demonstration of the power, that their faith not rest in how wise he was or how articulate he was, how much more do we need the power of God? Now listen, I wanna, I wanna bring this to like a practical place for us because we are not the Apostle Paul. We are, we are not as powerful or as called, gifted, whatever, as the Apostle, but we need the Spirit's power to save souls as much as he did. We need to demonstrate the Spirit and the power of God in how we live. And we need the power of God to take our words and bring them home to people. Or someone might be persuaded to believe something, but they're not going to be saved. They don't just need to hear our words. They need to see something of God's Spirit in us. So here are some ways. I mean, obviously, for Paul, it was often walking into a city and healing and casting out demons. And I, that happens today. And God can use us to do that. But that's, I don't want to lower your faith expectation, but that's probably not going to be every day. 
it's probably not even going to be very often. It's going to be rare that you pray for someone. Well, I shouldn't say rare. God can do what God's going to do. But I think there's other ways that the Spirit of God can be demonstrating his power in a daily way in our lives. Here are some thoughts. How about joy in an angry world? How about people seeing joy in an angry world? How about love in a selfish world? Forgiveness in an offended world? Hope in a dystopian world? Faith and trust when challenges, obstacles, and trials come. People watch. I think some of the greatest examples I've seen of the powers of the Spirit in this church over the years has been when people have walked through deep trials and deep valleys and the aroma of Christ was upon their life. And people see that and it creates a hunger. God can use that. They need, people need to see and God wants to give answered prayers. People see God is faithful to you, sometimes small, sometimes big evidences of God working in our lives faith shining in and through us God help us open the windows and the doors that the love of Christ might shine on us and through us my final thought this morning is this encouragement when we're talking about the power of the spirit and the gospel I determined to know nothing but Christ I want to encourage you we were talking about this the other day to tell your story Give your testimony. God can use that in such a powerful way. Tell people what God has done in your life and what he is doing in your life. Tell the story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Pejman was sharing with us at breakfast a couple weeks ago how he went to a conference with a co-worker. And somehow they got talking about spiritual things. And his co-worker had been brought up in the church but had stopped going and didn't seem to have any real interest in the church. And Pejman shared the story of how he got saved. Pejman was born, raised in Iran, came here to study in Texas. And uh, while he was in Texas, he was invited to a Bible study by some, some other college students. And so he began to go to the Bible study and he enjoyed the people. And he enjoyed, he felt the warmth and, and enjoyed that, found them very interesting. But he didn't believe as they believed. But then one night, he got some particularly distressing news about one of his family members. And he began to weep. He began to cry. He felt so sad in his heart. And something moved in his heart to open the Bible. And he opened the Bible, and it opened right to Psalm Six, where David writes, all night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. And that's where Pajron was. And out of this big book, for him to turn to that page, and right there, I believe God saved him. God stirred in his heart, this is real. A calm came over him. And he knew God of the Bible is real. As he shared that story with his coworker, the coworker said, you know, I, I would wish for something similar to happen to me. There are people 
that we come into contact with every day who wish. They don't wish for some kind of religious form. They don't wish for a lot of rules to live by. They wish for a touch from God, for something real. And we have that. Let's pray it. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Tell your story. So church, here's my encouragement as we close this morning. I'm going to ask if I can have uh, Kirk and Colleen come back up. We're going to close with a song. The church isn't just you. It's not just me. It's us. So this is for us individually, because I think one of the most effective ways to reach our community is through the spheres of influence we have, the people that you rub shoulders with and that I rub shoulders with. But it's also something we can believe and pray together for God to use us in increasing ways. Lord, open these windows, open these doors in new ways that you might use us to touch people for Jesus Christ. Let's believe that. Let's pray for that. Let's ask God to give us boldness to open the doors and let the wonderful work of Christ shine through us. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, if you've never trusted in Christ, I just, I want to tell you, so I came to Jesus Christ when I was 15 years old. Didn't know a lot, but I knew God touched my heart and I knew Jesus was real. And all these years since, he's been my faithful friend and he has been my savior through the good times, through the hard times. And I want to encourage you. This isn't about going to church. This is about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't wait. Don't wait. He is real. And all that longing and that emptiness and the other things you struggle with, he is the answer to all of that. He is who you were created to know. So let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. And if you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to just silently in your own heart repeat this prayer to God. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And I maybe don't understand a lot about this, but I do know I need you. Lord, something in my heart is stirring, and I want a touch from heaven. I want God in my life. I want to know the salvation of the Lord. I want to know your peace and your forgiveness. Would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Would you be my Lord and Savior? I turn away from sin, and I turn towards you as the source of my hope in life. Be my Savior. Forgive me of every sin I've ever committed or ever will commit. Be my Lord. Let me follow you all the days of my life and welcome me into your kingdom. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we pray for anyone who is at that place that you would draw them by your spirit. Draw them with the kindness of God. We love you. Help us to open the doors. You, Lord, please open the windows and let us see your work in a fresh way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.